When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been, and will always be, about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by NBA Futures Analyst Brandon Anderson. This is your NBA Draft Recap, NBA Trades Reaction, uh, <laughs> Instant Pod, setting you up for a Friday. Appreciate you guys being with us and joining us. Want to let you know that everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. You have the second information where the bets and money are coming in on, all sorts of cool stuff in there, our daily shows, all of our podcasts, Get yourself through baseball season. Check out Buckets with our WNBA pods continuing all throughout WNBA season into the fall and get yourself set for everything you're going to need to know for your fantasy drafts as well as betting futures in the NFL coming up here in July and August. On today's show, uh, Brandon and I are going to talk about the top of the NBA draft. We'll go over kind of what our bets looked like, and then we'll get into uh, some of the trade reaction and which teams were higher and lower on. Um, From a betting standpoint, we'll try and provide you with as much actionable information as possible, but that's going to be pretty limited. We don't have win totals yet. So those will be out within two weeks. And when they hit, you can best be reassured that we'll be giving you a podcast based off of those. But until those hit, we'll try and give you an indication of whether we're higher or lower on teams, what our expectations are for these teams going forward based off of the draft and the trades that were made the last few days going into today. We're recording this on Thursday night around 1230 a.m. Eastern. Um, As of right now, Damian Lillard is a Portland Trailblazer. We'll talk about his situation. (laughs) But just know I wanted to give you a timestamp for when this happened so you can know, oh, if you are listening to this on Friday morning and something significant were to occur, I'm in the mountains. I I need to get away for a few days, so I'm going to the mountains. Um, But that's when we recorded this podcast. Let's start, Brandon. I mean – We'll hit this real quick. We, we are, we by the way are are live. Where we're live during the draft. Still, we, I just got a, a tweet from Shams. Tumani Kamara has just been selected at number fifty-two. So, you, there you have it. That's a name I've definitely heard before, and we'll Thank tell you, you all about now. <laughs> you know what's sad is this is the first year that you could actually say that you don't know who that is. Most years you'd be like, "Ooh, Tumari got taken." Let me tell you all about his upside. Um, That's true. I'm actually very proud of you for wanting to start this. <laughs> early because of your birthday tomorrow. So I want to wish you a happy birthday early, Brandon. Thank you. M- Monday, but birthday party tomorrow. But birthday it's a big 4-0, so I appreciate it. Happy birthday to me. I even got a Timberwolves draft pick that went my way tonight. I'm back in, man. I'm back. Yeah, we'll see. That lasts until like the <laughs> training camp. Uh, let's look. We'll start at the top. Um, big surprise. Victor Wemanyama goes number one to the Spurs. We've talked about um, – you have an article out, and you talked about it on the on the pod last week about how – uh, you like Scoot Henderson, rookie of the year. We'll talk about the value on that bet. 
going forward. Um, I don't have much to add on Wembenyama. We'll have more thoughts on him after we see him in summer league and getting into the season. The value, I think, on betting Wembenyama futures is going to have to come basically in preseason if we get a sense for, okay, Wembenyama is actually going to be impactful as a rookie. Those guys are exceptionally rare, but that's how Victor has talked about. So if we get into training camp and preseason, I'm like, oh, like they might actually be good. We can reassess then, but it's going to be a long-term project to find any sort of value, I think, on Victor Wembenyama, other than a random promotion that's running at at, at one particular book uh, in the market tonight. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Victor? And if you want, you can go ahead and move to discussing the Scoot situation. Yeah, nothing really on Victor. Like we, we knew this pick was coming. We'll, we'll have plenty more to come, but there's not really much to react to. We, we got a lot of shots of San Antonio in arena, like all the fans gathering and mascots and everything. Yeah, the, the drama today to me was, well, for all of us, was erase Wembenyana number one, which we've known for months now. And we kind of just got last year all over again. We got the Paolo, Jabari, odds, whoop-de-woo, Shams and Woj battle. We got the odd swing all day today, back and forth, back and forth. A tweet would come out from one side. Oh, yeah, no, the, they're definitely Charlotte's considering Scoot. And then the odds went back towards Scoot's direction. And then we'd get back on Woj the other side. No, 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 it's been Brandon Miller the whole time. Back and forth, back and forth. And really, again, not counting Wambanyama, for the second year in a row, we started the draft and like did not definitively know who the top pick was going to be which is really weird because normally really in any draft NFL NBA it's the only two I care about in all the drafts you know who's going at the beginning like we know this and now this is two in a row so I, I don't know is is this the thing is this what happens in NBA drafts now or is is this just did we get the wrong teams do Charlotte and Orlando just not tell well, what's your takeaway from the snafu and all the draft odds swinging so i think one we've got two years in a row where you've been able to effectively uh, build an ARB position on either side, which thank God for that. Like I was able to get Brandon Miller today um, because I bet Scoot Henderson so heavily when this came back on the other side, I was able to get Scoot Henderson all, or Brandon Miller number two at plus 270. So I was able to effectively create an ARB position to where I didn't wind up getting hurt by Brandon, Scoot Miller. If Scoot had gone two, I would have been absolutely rolling in dough. If Scoot had gone two and Amon had gone three, uh, I would have been, I I would be on vacation right now because I would be already be at the bar just <laughs> drunk. Um, here here's the read I have on everything that happened. So, I'll like I'll take the L right up front as somebody that I wasn't definitive. I was never like Scoot Henderson's definitely going too. And we talked about like the the uncertainty principle of it, and I wrote about it as well. Um, it has been portrayed since the draft that they were always going to pick Bick Miller. It, it was never going to be anybody else. I am doubtful of that narrative. I think that is a narrative that has been presented on purpose. My understanding is that this is still very much, much, much up in the air, uh, very late in the day, and that eventually one individual who is not no not going to be with the organization in a governor capacity made this decision for the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I'm trying to temper my... I'm trying to invest to self-evaluate. So you know what's is, actually kind of funny with this, Brandon? Is, is is that individual like do they are they are they a basketball sort of guy? Are they like really good at basketball? Or what, what sort of individual are we talking about here? They were <laughs> once and they have horns and a little tail and, and 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 that stuff. So what's interesting is that 
every year and you and I have the debate over not debate because you you're pretty much open about like the intel is very valuable, but about yeah. how like the scouting isn't that you will do. And if you come out, if you do the deep dive, you will come to different conclusions than how the draft goes. And that's the same this year. Like even the really smart draft consultants, like there was a bunch of things that were just not in line. It's This is a very messy process. It's hard to figure out. But what's interesting is that I wound up talking myself into the same kind of principle of the logical conclusion, the upside pick, the most talented player was Scoot Henderson. Are the Charlotte Hornets really going to pass up the better player, the better, not better player, because we don't know if they're going to be, he's, he's going to be better or worse, the better prospect. Are right. we going to pass up the better value at the pick for Brandon Miller, who literally no one, no one was talking about trading up for? It was like, oh yeah, he'll be good. And the answer is yes, because one individual <laughs> made that pick. Um, what's what's I'm not regretting it because like I knew the board, I knew that that was possible. And I wrote about this, about how can you trust Charlotte to do the logical thing? And the answer should have been no. I think that one of the things that, that plays in here is what was tough for me was, is Charlotte really going to do a thing that I would say probably 27 to 28 other teams like wouldn't do? Like, are they going to pass on the guy that 27 to 28 teams would take? <laughs> because like I can just run down the list of teams that I know would have taken Scoot Henderson. And none of this changes that the, that the bet was wrong, right? None of it changes. I do think one of the things that I think we have learned that I'm going to try and take into it. And this is tough because like I hit on Scotty Barnes because I bet him early and I hit on Patrick Williams because I hit on him early, but it needs to be a pick in like the top 10. That's not one of these top guys. If you're betting in the top three on this instability, and we may not have this next year, maybe like really stratus five, one, two, three. But if you're betting in those top three to four picks, I do think that there's probably value in waiting to the week of the draft. Just yeah. wait and just wait till we get there. And then there will be some moment where an in unstable event occurs and you have an opportunity to profit from it by betting all sides of it would be my takeaway from it. Yeah, I think that's the right takeaway. And I have some early bad news for you from a scouting perspective. Next year's draft sucks. Yep. It's so bad. There's no Wembenyama. There's no Scoot Henderson. There might not be a Brandon Miller. Like, if you think that it was unpredictable at the top of this year's draft, there's going to be a lot of dudes next year. But at the top, they're, they're, let's just say teams will not be tanking the same way they did for Wembenyama this year, next year. it is There is not that player in the draft. So, yeah, I... I think that's the right takeaway. Just being being open to arbing, I think, is is a good play. If you're going to bet the draft, a reminder that like you got to be on it all hours of the day these last few days. You got to be ready, and you got to see that tweet. And when it comes out, that intel that came out, be ready to either believe it and jump in before it's gone, or disbelieve it and build your arb position and jump on the other side. And you, you like. You had to do that throughout the day today. If you wanted to build that position, you could have not done anything the entire draft and just today alone decided, I'm just going to do this, the Scoot Miller thing at number two and got both sides and been done. Done with the whole draft, profit. You could have got like three to one or four to one on both sides and that's it just today, but only if you watched it and were ready and knew this is what the plan was. So we've got two years in a row now where that would have been the case. You could have done that last year with Paolo, with Jabari as well. So yeah, at the end of the day, top five goes chalk. I literally 
what ha- I, I, like if you gave you know you love the exact outcome bets of the one two three four fives or the one two threes i would love like the no version of those i would absolutely have made one of my best bets and lost whatever the opposite of chalk is the no bet on the chalk and instead as as the market's closed the favorite for the picks at one two three four and five is exactly how it played out so we got Brandon Miller at number two, Scoot goes number three, and then both Thompson twins, four and five, which is fun. A men, apparently we're, we're, uh, we're uh, enunciating the second half of the second syllable, a men first to the Rockets, and then a SAR, number five to Detroit. So my takeaway from all of that is, okay, Portland's up, Scoot's on the, on the board, what's going to happen now? And what's going to happen is they're going to take Scoot because it's what Charlotte should have done also. He was the talent available there. I obviously, my best bet of the draft cycle, thank God, because the rest certainly didn't go out well for me, but my best bet has been Scoot Rookie of the Year. Obviously, really a worst case scenario. If Portland actually keeps Scoot and Dame together, it's about the worst scenario just because you're... we need volume. We need points. We need touches. We need usage. And it's not like you can't play two guards. We know you can do that in today's NBA, but there's Simons there. There's Shaden Sharp. There's Dame. It's too many guys unless somebody goes. So my question for you is, what's the fallout now? Is the fallout that Portland has dug in their heels and now here comes the Dame domino? Is there a scenario now where Portland went the other way and said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and take Scoot. We we know that we can get that Paul George deal later. That's the guy they want. We'll figure it out. Or we're going to get that Zion deal. They're, they're going to figure it out later. It doesn't involve any other picks. Get the guy they want. We'll hammer out the details. Is there a scenario, do you think, where Scoot still goes? And, that, and they bring in that veteran. Is this the beginning of the end for Dame? Where are you at on Portland Intel right now? So we'll get there in a second. I want to go back to Miller real quickly because I need. Okay. I, I'm not going to let you. I, I don't know. You're refusing to take the the victory lap, and you need to. After the lottery <laughs> happened, you literally were were like first out there, and I thought you were nuts. You were like Brandon Miller number two, and I was like, why? And you were like, well, it's the best <laughs> fit. And I was like, no one drafts for fit. Who would draft for fit with a number two <laughs> overall pick? So what's interesting, two things that like, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the W because heavens, I needed a few W's tonight. I got a lot of L's tonight. I'll take the W on the Brandon Miller pick actually was before the lottery. It was like doing the math on who could go to number two. Charlotte was one of the teams that I thought maybe would land at two and then like Brandon Miller. You know, that's the thing with Brandon Miller that the value is even if there's not necessarily star potential or goat PG potential, apparently, even if there's not that, He's a long wing. He shoots well. He's a guy that every NBA team needs. Like he fits anywhere. So that was going to make him easily appealing. And as I considered at the time, my opinion scouting wise on Scoot had fallen. I rebounded since then and got back to where I was earlier to where I thought he was a tier above. Scoot's regular season in the G League did not end well. Our our, uh, our buddy Sam Vecini reported a lot about that, that he felt like Scoot maybe got a, a bit of an injury and kind of just packed it in a little bit down the stretch that he was not necessarily going full out. Like he proved what he needed to and didn't need to show a lot more. And as I went back and watched some of the G league tape, some early and some late that really checked out for me. So I kind of rebounded on the scoot opinion to where I was like, okay, 
no, actually, he's a level above. You got to just take him. But at the time, it felt like the, a lot of the opinions on Scoot had been dropping, uh, not you know, not a huge way, but dropping enough that the Miller Scoot conversation seemed real. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I would say is this: you you really don't like the idea that Charlotte drafted for fit here. I don't think Charlotte drafted for fit. I agree with you, actually. You've convinced me that like at number two, you can't draft for fit. I just have to trust that Charlotte evaluated that Brandon Miller is the better prospect than Scoot. I have yeah. to trust that that's a decision because I, you drafting or, or like either drafting because they really, really like Miller or maybe they just don't like Scoot as much as some of the other teams. It has to be one of those two. I still think it's wrong because there were teams that wanted Scoot and you still at least could have moved down a spot or done some sort of trade. But I, I have to believe that somebody in Charlotte's front office made a decision that they thought they were getting the better guy. We have grown, we have crumb trails going from Mitch Kupchak's first interview after the, the lottery and consistently the reporters that were consistently saying Miller talked about fit. And this is one it of does, my, right. this is one of my reads. I think this is about LaMelo. That's what I hmm. think a lot of this was about. And I'm just going to say right now on the record on this podcast, <laughs> that's a mistake. That is a horrible, horrible mistake. I don't know if Miller's going to be good. Miller could wind up being the best player in the draft. He could be better than Wembenyama. He could be the best player in the last five drafts. He could be MJ. Don't know. Like I'm open to those possibilities. I am telling you from a process perspective, this was a colossal, colossal fuck up. Uh, and I'm not going to, I won't move off of that. Even Like no one will <laughs> talk about it. If Miller t- runs out being a genius, it'll just be like, wow, what a great job. But oh boy. Um, just if you were going to start a team fresh tomorrow and you could either get LaMelo on your team or Scoot, is that you saying I'll pick Scoot and never look back? Never look back. Okay. That's, that's, that's what I less, thought. And that's less about Scoot Henderson and it's more about LaMelo. Right. Because you haven't really seen a lot of Scoot. You just know what you think about LaMelo. (laughs) Yes, I've watched a lot of Charlotte games over the last two seasons. And boy, do I have some takes that have been burbling under the surface. I'm trying to be (laughs) kind because he's still young. But boy, do I have some concerns. Let's talk about the Dame thing. Um, Okay, so I kind of set all this up with the possibility. I said, look, they're either going to find a trade or, by the way, ridiculous narratives being tossed around after the draft. Like ridiculous narratives. Oh, they were never interested in trading Zion Williamson. Is is that why Scoot Henderson, why the Pelicans got not only a meeting with Scoot Henderson, but they got his medicals? Is that why? Because you had no interest in trading Zion Williamson? Because guess what? They were never going to trade it for anything else. They were never going to trade that pick for Brandon Ingram, and you weren't going to trade Brandon Ingram. And everybody knows that. Everybody, I don't know why they have to lie about these things. Um, it doesn't make it better, because Zion knows too. Zion knew they were shopping. <laughs> so... We can make all these predictions and we don't know. I will tell you what I know to be the closest thing to the truth, which is that the Portland Trailblazers got to a point where they couldn't find a deal that was going to satisfy their needs. Whether it was what New Orleans wanted in excess of the number three or that they wouldn't give up an addition to Zion, the Raptors deal fell apart early. Everyone, everyone was in on like, oh yeah, but that's that's dead. That was dead long ago. The Paul George thing, I think, came and went pretty quickly. Even though I think that that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on with the Clippers separately. 
so now we really are in a situation. The reports are pretty early out after the draft, after the first, like after Scoot got taken. The report was that Dame's going to give them a week. <laughs> they have a, they have important a, a, week. Turns yeah. out that uh, the end of June and start of July is an important week in the right. NBA calendar. <laughs> and like I'll stretch it to like twelve days. Sure. Yeah. Okay. They've got twelve days to pull off what they need to pull off. And in that time, they're going to have to figure out. I would say that they're not that that if you were going to trade Scoot, you were trading him tonight, and they didn't. Hmm. So I don't think they're trading Scoot. Okay. I will say this: they've done a lot of damage control on pushing the idea of like. Dame and Scoot have been texting and talking on the phone. You know, when you do that, when you're trying to kill a narrative that neither guy wants to play with each other, you know why? Because neither guy wants to play with each other. Scoot Henderson wants to be the man. Yeah, He said the rookie of the year is his number one goal. That kid is coming for the throne and you can like it or dislike the approach and the game and whatever, but that's how he's wired. He is not here to be an understudy to Damian Lillard. And Damian Lillard is not interested in tying up significant minutes to an understudy. That's not why he's here. So my opinion is that is more likely is it is clearly more likely tonight than it was at the beginning of the night that Damian Lillard will not be a Portland trailblazer by August. If you ask me to give me the percentages, I would say it's flipped from 40, 60 to 60, 40, hmm. maybe 55, 45. If we want to be, give as much credence to how close this thing could be. But I will say that like Dame hasn't shut down the talk of him being like, you better make moves. He increased it tonight with, okay, you had one bullet, which was the draft pick. And you decided to take a point guard. (laughs) So we'll like, show me what you got. You took my replacement. So let's talk. (laughs) And, yeah. and like realize too the context. I know you realize, but listeners realize that Dame, this is Captain Loyalty. Like this is the dude that always wants to stay and be a blazer for life forever, ever, ever. So to to even put like little hints out about like, okay, let me give you a week and see what you get. Like uh, this as a Timberwolves lifer fan, me being me. It like we're getting the Kevin Garnett stage and the Kevin Garnett thing went many years where like eventually Minnesota fans were like, just, just go. Like we can't win with you. We would just, we want you to win somewhere. It sucks for you that you're with us. We hate it for you. Please win somewhere. Cause it went year after year and he wouldn't do the like public request thing that other guys have done. So that Dame is at least inching that direction is not nothing considering it's him. It'd be different. If it was like LeBron or Kawhi or PG or guys who've been moving around, I think it matters for Dame. So I'll talk about the rookie of the year, since obviously that's my big position on Scoot. Scoot's stock down at this moment, because at this moment, he is an understudy. He'll play, he'll get numbers. But if if you told me right now, Portland keeps Dame, plays with Scoot and Dame all year, I would guess very strongly he's not going to win rookie of the year. I would not. I would not want that bet. I wouldn't say he's dead, but I wouldn't want it. So stock's slightly down, but I, I'm not panicking. I even, to be honest, thought about digging in my heels. I checked the numbers thinking, well, maybe books will think that Scoot's stock is down and his number will go back up and we can bet it again. 
And I was ready for that, but the number hasn't really gone up yet. It's still lower now than the 600 when we were betting it. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think it's bounced perhaps a little bit, but I, I like Dame. I will wait. I will wait this out a little bit. I tweeted right after they took Scoot. I don't think these guys ever play a minute together. Yeah. I don't think that Portland, the just just gut instinct, it doesn't make any sense to me. We, we've just seen Golden State, and we'll get to them, uh, but we've seen them try to, to mix the timelines. The mixed timeline thing doesn't go. No. And like, to be perfectly honest, Damian Lillard needs to be honest with the timeline his team is on already. Like we're already on the Shade and Sharp and Anthony Simons timeline, and it's already not the damn timeline there. So I feel like with Scoot in town now, if you're Portland, I know how good Dame has been. I am a huge Dame fan. You're a huge Dame fan. He was incredible this season. But Scoot and Simons and Shade and Sharp, yeah. that's like a team. That's a yeah. squad. That's like, yeah. that's your next team going forward for five, seven, eight years. Like that's a thing. And you're going to get stuff back for Dame, more picks and probably another young player, hopefully. Not if it's the Miami Heat, they don't have any. But like, hopefully you get a good trade of stuff for him. And like, that's not necessarily blow up the team we're starting over. That's okay. We've got some real pieces now. We have the the, the next generation. So to me, I'm a little sad. I like the Blazers. I love Dame. I love having this kind of smaller market niche team. I think it's probably the end. I think tonight's the beginning of the end for it, but I'm not panicking yet on a rookie of the year. Part of it is uh, we didn't get into this. We won't go too far here because we'll, we'll do a whole rookie of the year episode at some point. I just don't love the other options for rookie of the year. Weminyama definitely in the mix. Like, of course, Chet Holmgren is going to have a lot of the same drawbacks that Weminyama would have. And he's not really much of a scorer. Uh, Victor should score more. But a lot of these other guys, the Thompson twins, I'm not sure they're going to be big scorers right away. They're not good shooters. A bunch of the guys at the top of the draft, guys who I like, are these complimentary star players, like a Jairus Walker, where he's supposed to come in and defend and do the little things. Well, that's great, but rookie of the year goes to to guys that put up points per game and rebounds and assists and all that. There's just not a lot of those guys in this draft, uh, to the point that if you ask me right now, okay, well, we know you like Scoot. We know Wemby's good. Who's your sleeper? I, I don't have one. I have no sleeper to give you right now. I don't know who the name is. The, here's here's how you can tell. The best name I can give you right now, if I need a sleeper, is Bryce Sensaba, 28th pick to the wow. Utah Jazz, who I literally told you is my least favorite player in the draft. But he's a scorer, and Utah has some playing time for him. He's like 100 to 1. But I wouldn't bet it. But like that tells you how far I had to go to find something to find a sleeper. So... I'm not panicking. I'll still hold tight on the scoot stock. I think that this Portland story is just beginning still. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we'll update as the story goes along and we'll keep you updated on how to bet these type of things. So I think there's like a number of ways that this can go, but I, I just, I've heard too much and Dame has been too transparent about how he feels about like, he made it yeah. clear. He didn't want them to draft. Yeah. Like he made that clear. And so I just I have a hard time yeah. getting to any sort of position where it's like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. As long as Dame doesn't do the thing, and he probably will, because I understand this how the NBA works now. If he does the thing where he demands a trade and then picks the team that he's going to go to, then they're just not going to get that much because that's how trades work a lot of time in the NBA. If he doesn't do that, 
if he like politely asks for a trade request and lets them do their thing and gives them a list of five teams or whatever so that they can actually get a decent haul back. Like in a way, today it could be, this draft could be the perfect blessing for everyone involved. Portland moved up from, their number five in the lottery. They moved up to number three, so they already got lucky. At number three, they got a number one pick ability player in a draft that had two of them at number three because Charlotte is a moron and passed on Scoot. And so, like, this might actually be the blessing disguise for everyone that, like, Scoot accidentally fell to Portland, a team that shouldn't have ever had a chance to get him and kind of forced everyone's hand. And it was actually, like, you know, when you got that friend and the relationship and, like, it's time and it's everybody knows, you know, they know, and they both know, and just no one is ready to call it. Yeah. Like, this might be... Okay, look, the thing happened now, and let's let's all agree that the thing is happening. Let's call it and move on. This might be the event that actually kind of worked out well for everybody. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, Chris Harden, who works for ESPN in the analytics department, published uh, RPM projections, uh, real plus minus, for mm-hmm. the rookie class. Uh, you'll never believe it, but Victor Wemanyama projects the best <laughs> in terms of having a chance at an all-star uh, at 54.6%. Um, Scoot Henderson is second at 41.1%. Jarris Walker is actually uh, oh. 38.8%. That's uh, a surprise. I wouldn't think that he'd be an all-star type guy. And, and then uh, Brandon Miller is fourth. So it's always good to take the fourth most likely guy to be an all-star <laughs> second. Uh, Taylor Hendricks is fifth at uh, 33%. And then, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, actually, the next highest is actually uh, Amen Thompson at 36%, 35.5%. Um <laughs> I would say that if you squirt gun to my head is a phrase that you better, you bet uses a show I'm, I'm often on squirt gun to my head. Uh, if you told me to pick a, a, a long shot rookie of the year, uh, I would go with a, with a man that would be, would be mine hmm. uh, in particular, because who's the best player on the Houston Rockets? Uh, it depends on how do I get to answer? Honestly, is this yeah. just Brandon's opinion? Yeah. Shangun easily. Okay. So Albert Shangun is the best player. Uh, what's the best thing that you can run with Alperin Shengun? What's the best type of set? The answer is a handoff. You know what yeah. works really well with handoffs? Extremely athletic guards. Yeah, getting downhill. Extremely athletic guards getting downhill, coming off screens. That action is something that NBA, especially in the regular season, nobody wants to guard it. Everybody's yeah. just like, oh God. <laughs> That's why the Nuggets killed teams for years in the early Jokic era is they would just spam DHOs and people were like, oh, come on. <laughs> um, and so- yeah. and, and all the better- that like let's talk briefly about Houston here. Houston's going to be when when you read all the articles Friday that the draft winners and losers. Everyone's going to have their winners and losers. Absolutely, everyone's going to call Houston a winner, and and they have to be considered a winner because like a week or two ago, when you and I were looking at the draft at number four where Houston was, Cam Whitmore was the betting favorite, like a, a minus number at one point, the odds-on favorite to be the number four pick to the Rockets. Eventually, it switched to Amen. They got both. They got a man out four, and then Cam Whitmore fell and fell and fell and tumbled all the way 
to number 20. Houston didn't have to trade up a few spots for him. They just got both of the guys that they presumably were considering at number four. So I personally am not super high on either one of those guys, but even, even being somewhat out on them, I still have them both like top 10 or 11. Houston has to be like through the moon, through, through whatever. Very happy. They're very happy a lot that of it, they got their guys. Here's the, here's the funny thing. Um, you shouldn't draft for fit, but like fit's nice. I really like putting Amen next to Jalen Green. Agreed. Maybe getting Jalen Green a little bit more off ball so that yep. maybe he doesn't just chuck up 45-foot shots at the end of the shot clock. Or what am I saying at the end of the shot clock? 17 seconds left on the shot clock. <laughs> um, the defense like, is, is really good. The size and defense to offset Jalen is huge, I think, for Amen. Well, and the plus is with, is with Jabari, who I think is going to be a really plus defender. So yeah. you've got Jabari and Amen and Tate and like, okay, we're head. And there are actually a lot of metrics, and I've done a lot of deep dive stuff on Shangoon. You can pull Shangoon into decent defensive lineups if you surround him with good personnel. Yep. He's not a guy that drags down personnel. He plays to the level of it. Yeah, so good defensive lineups, he's fine in. He doesn't make him better. He just is fine there. Bad defensive lineups, he makes them worse. Um, have I mentioned that, you know, what they should do someone should just trade Jalen Green and, and Lonzo ball or to LaMelo ball. I'm sorry, LaMelo ball to the same team. And then they can just have fun together. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm a young, I'm a young guy. What's the opposite of league pass alert for that team. So, uh, LaMelo is gonna make an all-star team and make me look dumb next year. Well, let me just comment on that. Houston does well, but Houston themselves has to be happy. I'll tell you right now, the first team when win totals come out, the first team I'm looking at is Houston and I'm betting the under. I was all over it last year. I grabbed it early at like 27 and a half and it ended up down to like 21 and a half. I'm taking the under for all the exact same reasons. A man is going to run point somewhat for the team. Young point guard team is like my first under thing I'm looking for. Yeah. They still got all the young players. They still got the Jalen Green stuff. I, question, I, no. The roster is moving in the right direction. I, I actually like the idea of a man rookie of the year potentially because I think the defense so far as young, even these guys, him and Jabari that are going to be good defenders are not yet. It takes time and the defense will be bad. I think they'll play fast. They'll run in transition. That's basically overtime elite ball like that. That's a man. That's what he's been doing. So yeah, he probably actually will get some numbers. I think that's a good call, but I'll take the under. I think they're going to lose a lot of games again. So here's, here's my only challenge on that. Typically, the reason that you want to play an under on a point on a rookie point guard led team is because it has to be worse than the veteran that played before. Is a rookie <laughs> Amon Thompson worse than a than a veteran Kevin Porter Jr. Houston fans, I don't think Houston fans listen to us to be honest because I don't know why they would. We hate Houston. Houston fans really like KPJ. Not and, anymore. And, uh, the numbers they're on out. him were pretty good toward the end of the year. They're out now. That's a good thing. They're out on him now. Uh, quick update here. Uh, this just came out from Chris Haynes. Damian Lillard has not had any recent communication with the Portland Trailblazers involving the draft, free agency, or his future. So you can put that either any way you want. You can say, <laughs> see, he hasn't been communicating because he trusts the team and there's nothing to report here and everything's overblown. Or you can say, so he hasn't talked to the team at all and is watching them go against his wishes and draft a dude. So you can <laughs> but play. By the way, but by the way, back on the Houston thing for one second, Houston's first round pick next year is still owed to Oklahoma City, but top four protected. And if it doesn't happen next year, it switches to twos. So I tell you what, if they're anywhere near tanking range, 
Houston is going to tank the crap out of the season at the end and try out like they can to get that top four pick. So that's that's my one dump on a team. Take the under tonight. Can, can I can I do some of my like teams or picks I liked real quick? Just some yeah, bullets. Hit me. hit me. So I thought the Mavs draft was really good for them. They started at 10. Obviously, we knew the whole drama with that. They tanked the end of the season out of the play-in race. They get number 10. They trade down two spots to Oklahoma City and end up taking Derek Lively. We won't talk about that with your bet. That was very unfortunate. You had the right team. You had the right player. Didn't work out. They did that and got off of Davis Berton's salary, which they definitely need the salary slot. And in so doing, they get like the trade exception or whatever the rule is that they instantly trade to Sacramento and pick up Rashawn Holmes and the 24th pick, and they get Omax Prosper, basically a 3 and D Robert Covington type. So they they turned number 10 into Derek Lively, I'll, I'll say JaVale McGee, basically, a shot-blocking rim runner, exactly the sort of guy you want with Luka Doncic, and they get a 3 and D wing, exactly what you want with Luka, and they get Rashawn Holmes, who I think is, is kind of maybe the Christian Wood replacement, if they can move on from him now. Um, so I think the three guys they got are great Luca fits. I think they kind of retooled the roster and got guys that will go, go well with him. So I thought the Mavs were a real winner tonight. Picks that I liked, I loved OKC and the other half of that part of the trade. They moved up to 10 and got Kaysen Wallace. I love Kaysen Wallace. He's he's a Drew Holiday type defensive guard. OKC's defense has nasty potential. I don't know how quickly, it's going to depend on how quickly Chet Holmgren gets there and how much he'll be able to play. But that's a team you and I have talked about, Shea as a possible MVP candidate. Like OKC is getting there. They got some dudes, and Kaysen's going to be a part of that. couple or three second-round picks I liked. I had to be careful because last year on this podcast, reacting, we loved the Bucks pick. Marjan Beauchamp, he's going to make a big impact in the playoffs. I don't remember him playing this year. I love Andre Jackson to the Bucks. He's the guy called Wing Draymond. I could see him kind of doing some of the PJ Tucker type stuff that that team has had in that role. So I, I think that he could be a really good fit. He he just won a championship with UConn. He's a good defender, good facilitator. Celtics got my guy, Jordan Walsh, not quite in the first round for us, but really good defender on that team. I could see him sort of stepping into the Marcus Smart sort of role if he learns to play offense, not that Marcus really ever did. And I'll give you a chance to howl for me. My Tim rules. Huh? Huh? How? How? Come on! Oh. All right. Oh yeah, it's 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 night at your house. You you got you got kids sleeping. It's night at my house too. I just don't have kids sleeping. Timberwolves got Leonard Miller, who I thought had a really good year for uh, the G League Ignite. I thought he was a potential lottery pick, and he ended up top of the second round. So I'm back in, baby. Leonard Miller, he's my guy. Timberwolves championship. Let's go. Why did you uh? Why did you like the Celtics moves? Uh. I forget who I'm going to guess Keith Smith because Keith is, is my go-to Celtics guy pointed out. So Boston had the 25th pick as part of the trade. We're going to talk about shortly the, the smart Porzingis trade. They picked up the 25th pick. Really. They moved up from 35. They didn't actually get two first round picks. One of them was they moved up 10 spots and then they did bill Belichick proud because they did like, Trade from 25 down to 31, trade from 31 down to 34, down to 37. And what I believe Keith pointed out is basically they are just compiling assets, a whole bunch of, they're trying to split the one asset into as many tiny assets as they can so that they can use that to duck future salary cap. Just like everybody wants the stockpile of crap. Like if you want to 
you know, like how many trades did we see tonight where it's like, oh, two second rounders for this thing or like Washington, the news came out. Oh, they got six second rounders for Bradley Beal. Way to go, Washington. Like, great. Good job getting all your 50th picks. The guy that we never heard of at the start of the draft. Like, you get him. You got six of them. Good job. Like, Boston got a bunch of that. And I think that they are going to use that stuff to send two picks later. Like, the Timberwolves traded two future second round picks to get number 33 and get a guy that I thought was a lottery pick. Second round picks are valuable if you use them for not second round picks and get other stuff with them. So I thought the moves were good with Boston just because they turned one asset into a whole bunch of stuff and got a guy in Jordan Walsh that I would have been ecstatic for them taking at 25 more ecstatic then because I would have cashed my 30 to one bet, but you know, bad night for my bets. I think the problem um, with the Celtics thing is, is mostly just that they it's tied to the smart trade, right? So they pick up these, 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 they're, they're technically picks from the Grizzlies um but ultimately like they they take one of those and they just move down and down and down and down so like they made a lot of that return disappear now they did get porzingis which is an upgrade and i'm gonna write about why but like i I, i'm a little uh, i'm just a little bit like i don't know man like (laughs) you 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 made some assets basically disappear and and i made um, my assets disappear like yeah it, it does as a Minnesota fan, the Vikings in the NFL draft have done this for years. Mm. Start with like the 19th pick. And as a fan, you get all hyped up. Okay. 17, 18, it's our turn. Vikings trade down six spots. And you're like, all right, see you in like 45 minutes. And it's our turn. And the Vikings trade out of the first round. You're like, all right, back tomorrow for round two. And you trade down, down, down. If you trust the process and trust the general managers and the team that's doing it, that pays off eventually. If, if it's good process and teams that are patient use the assets right later, you can get over the initial disappointment of, well, we didn't get anything out of that. No, you did. You just got a lot of future stuff. I think that we have to trust Boston at this point that has had good process for years, that they did get a bunch of stuff out of it. They still got a player that was worthy maybe of the 25th pick anyway and extra stuff. Uh, and really like, they ended up getting back basically to their 35 pick where they started. They probably just got this free 10 pick upgrade kind of thrown into a deal that we knew Memphis really wanted smart and they just kind of turn it into some other extra bonus stuff. So I think we trust that they knew what they were doing. Should we, should we switch to talk about the trade now? Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and transition there. Um, so the big news on Wednesday night was that after a deal fell apart between the Los Angeles Clippers, Washington Wizards, and Boston Celtics to send Kristaps Porzingis to Boston and Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers. The Clippers <laughs> rejected uh, the medicals, the the physical on Malcolm Brogdon, and that trade fell apart. After that fell apart, the the they pivoted quickly, is my understanding, is that this thing yeah. came together like it was like 90 minutes of just like, okay, so plan B is this. And they immediately <laughs> pick up the phone, they call the Grizzlies, and, Mem- and Memphis is more than happy to send Marcus Smart um two two picks and um and that's it oh and tyus yeah. jones to the wizards yeah and the wizards and chris Porzingis to boston and uh daniel gallinari and mike Muscala yeah and some other things random pieces go to the wizards the core of the trade is tyus jones to the wizards porzingis to the celtics and smart to the grizzlies yeah. um especially after the the uh <laughs> laundering that the celtics did with the pick tonight um 
there's another pick though that's yet to come through. It might be valuable. Yeah, the, the next year's Warriors first also into the Celtics. That's right. That's right. So my reaction initially on the Porzingis front was pretty positive. Um, the thought process. So I'm going to write about this. My upgrade on them is I'm basically upgrading the Celtics a half point in their power rating going into the next season. Yeah even after the loss of Marcus Smart. It, had it been a Brogdon move, it would have been a full point. Um, but Smart's good enough for me to, to push that back and move to a half point. It's not that Porzingis is an upgrade over Smart. It is that if you're the Celtics and you have Jason Tatum and you have Jalen Brown and you have Derek White and you still have Malcolm Brogdon, depending on on like the Celtics seem pretty confident he's going to be back, uh, recovered from, from the injury. You have those four guards. Their problem consistently has been that the offense has these moments where it just melts into an ice cream puddle. Like it is just, it is Neapolitan ice cream when it's all of the the flavors mixed (laughs) together. And that can be good, but it can also just be messy. And that's the problem with, with the Celtics. It just spills all over the floor. They need actions to be able to generate this stuff. And quite honestly, they because they don't have a primary pick and roll spam point guard, it doesn't necessarily work with Robert Williams. Al Horford's not that guy anymore. They can run handoffs with him, but not really as effectively, especially Horford's not that big. Porzingis gives you a weapon that you can just consistently run offense with. Porzingis' defense. So Porzingis is top 20 in EPM last season. If you're listening to this podcast, you know, we, I love that metric. Yeah. That's my go-to for catch-all. Um, it's to me, it's the closest to like matching my eye test for impact. And it's got, got, so like Giannis is a 1.9 plus in defensively EPM. Porzingis was a plus 1.6 last season. If you think that's exaggerated, okay, let's look at it this way. Let's just take net rating. Okay. That Washington Wizards team, that shitty Washington Wizards team that missed the playoffs and was a train wreck by the end of the season, they had a plus 1.4 net rating when Porzingis was on the floor. They won their minutes. Do you know how rare that is for a sub-500 non-play-in tournament team to be a plus 1.4 in anybody's minutes? It's rare. Um, And so I have never been a Porzingis guy. I was against him when he was a rookie in New York, thought he was overhyped. The unicorn talk I thought was ridiculous. I thought that he was uh, overstated in terms of what he could do defensively. His injury problems in Dallas were were horrible. His fit with Luka was wretched. I wonder a lot, a lot about Luka, honestly, at this point, given how Porzingis played after. Um, but Porzingis really turned me around last season. Even in Dallas, before he got traded, I was like, oh, like Porzingis like looks, and a lot of it was talking to Mavs fans, like he's healthy for the first time. Like he just hasn't been healthy and he may not be again. He played 65 games last season and he's always going to be an injury risk. And this could be the, a problem for them as well. Smart is a lot more reliable. I will say Marcus Smart took a drop off last season. Yeah. After he, um, I don't know how to put this, uh, stole defensive player <laughs> of the year um, from our rightful winners. After that happened last season, Smart really struggled and maybe it was injury, but it might just be the miles on him. And so the Celtics get a more consistent offensive weapon who can create some offense for himself. They can run pick and pop actions. They can do all these types of things more effectively. And for me, that's a reason for an upgrade for them of about a half a point. Yeah, I, I love this for the Celtics. Somehow, much as I generally hate everything that happens in the NBA, if I'm being fair to myself, 
somehow I managed to love this for all three teams. I don't know how we got a three-way trade where, where I, I actually quite like it for every side, but for the Celtics, I, I'm not going to say addition by subtraction getting rid of Marcus Smart. Certainly not. Like that was the heart and soul of the team. But the heart and soul of the team just lost two games to the Atlanta Hawks and then lost game one at home to Philadelphia without Joel Embiid. And then lost a huge pivotal game five at home and then lost two more games at home to the eighth seed and went down 0-2. Like it, it was time for heart transplant. It was time for a culture change and something big needed to be mixed up in Boston. And getting rid of Marcus Smart is a big thing. Like he's been, I believe I saw the stat that he has been in the playoffs all nine years that he's been with the Celtics and the list of players in NBA history who have nine consecutive years made the playoffs with the same team is very short and really good. Like we're talking like hall of famers basically, which smart obviously is not, but the man has been very good for them and is a big part of what they do. I would argue that he's a little too big of a part of what they do. And especially at the end of the game, I think that there could be a little bit here of like, how many times did we watch Marcus smart at the end of a game and be like, put Derek white in, you need some offense, like get Marcus smart ball hogging out of here, get the ball in Tatum's hands, get Derek white moving the ball. There might be a little bit of just like, just take that card away from Joe Mazzulli. You can't do it anymore. And I actually really like, like the idea here is Boston want to get away from some of its guards. I think effectively now Boston plays one guard. Jalen Brown is the second guard. So now you have what Denver just did, a big lineup. Derek White and then Jalen and Jason Tatum, and then Boston goes back to the two bigs all year. The thing that made their defense good with the two bigs, and Noah Smart also, Derek White's a better defender than Marcus Smart, straight up. I would rather have Derek White defending. He's a better team defender. He's not as versatile as Marcus Smart. He's not going to make like the big flash plays, but Derek White is just as good, I think, better they got the wings. I think Porzingis in many ways is like Al Horford plus Robert Williams. Like you get some of the things each of those guys do well. You get the size and the vertical threat. You get the shooting threat. You get two bigs now. I think even if Porzingis isn't a slam dunk fit, just having him there to eat up minutes so that Time Lord plays a little less and doesn't have the wear and tear on his legs and can be healthy for the playoffs a little bit. So that Horford gets to maybe come off the bench or, or, or take a night off or something like Boston to me this year, well, they failed for a lot of reasons, but they go as those big men go and the big men did not show up in the Miami series. And that was a big part of why they went down so much and lost. So I like the idea of the Boston lineup a lot, that big lineup. I actually think too, I'm curious what you think about this. We almost just got a Boston Denver finals. We were right there. I think that this lineup with Derek White and all the size coming behind it and with Porzingis there now too to, to go into the mix, I think it matches really well with Denver. Yeah, I, I would really like Boston against Denver, and that's the team we've all been saying. We're chasing Denver now. They're the champs. I, I think Boston firmly reestablished themselves as an Eastern Conference contender and right there in the title mix with this deal. Yeah, because a lot of this is you can put Porzingis on uh, Jokic, and have Robert Williams on the weak side with rim protection. Yep. And it's like an ultra-sized version of the Rui Hachimura, Anthony Davis, um, with a little bit better, honestly, defense. Like, that's a better defensive combo, yeah. um, if healthy. That's right. That's the risk here. Is like it's a and, and Porzingis, too. If you want to watch Porzingis for a while, you probably think of him as Victor Wembanyama as this, like, twig. Porzingis is not the same dude. Like, dude, mm -hmm. dude has put on some weight and some strength, and, like, he – 
he's a man now. Like he he can hold his own in the post. So not that he can shut down Jokic because nobody can do that. Can. Yeah. But like he he can hold his own in there. So I think it's now, a really good say, trade for Boston. Now, I mean, look, they're gonna miss they're gonna they're gonna miss Smart in matchups like Harden. They're gonna miss Smart in matchups yeah. like Jamal Murray. They're gonna miss uh Smart in matchups versus the Warriors. They're going to miss their switchability. That's yeah. been the, yeah, the team identity for years is, is gone. Playing for Zynga, they're going to play a lot more drop now, right? Like the, the versatility defensively, I think, is much lower. I think the versatility offensively is much higher. And I think that's what they needed. The defense is going to be good, just less versatile, but they got more outs on offense now. For M- Memphis, I will say that. I have, I'm still trying to figure out exactly where to put them until jaw gets back. Yeah. Um, my baseline for them is a two. So the two points better than an average team on neutral court. That's a pretty solid number. Honestly, um, it projects to, that's like a 46 win team. Jaw's probably worth, even though that they've done really well without him, I still am willing to put, give jaw between a point and a half and two points of value. Um, that's a, not as high as it is for some superstars. It's less than like Paul George at his peak. Um, it's less than it's way less than Luka or Jokic, those kind of guys. I'm willing to move him down two points, but I think that Smart's worth a, a solid point for what he adds back. Um, so that keeps them at a 44 uh, win pace until Jaw gets back, at which point they jump to something way closer um, to a 49 win pace. Now you can say like, but Matt, they've won over 50 games the last two seasons. My numbers are always going to think that Memphis sucks. Their half-court offense is trash. Until Memphis is... Now, if we go into next season and all of a sudden the half-court offense systematically is improved with or without jaw, guess what? Like, my numbers will go up accordingly. So they can move up in those ranges. But um, I do think that this is an upgrade of about a point for Memphis, which is odd that I'm giving them only a half point for Porzingis because I think it's a really good move. But Smart's really impactful. Um, I think Smart's worth a point for Memphis because one, it gives you, it's basically, you have to think about it as Smart can run the backup minutes that Tyus Jones was running. And while Tyus Jones is very good, Smart's a little bit better in terms of overall playmaking. Like Smart's a really good playmaker. Everyone focuses on the shooting, but like he is a very good playmaker and he's not afraid to just go ahead and attack. If you sag off, he's not afraid to attack the rim. Um, the, the shooting has had ups and downs throughout. He, he's a streaky shooter and it's overall a negative, but there are times when it will be okay. And obviously like regardless of what, how we feel about his award, he is a defensive player of the year worthy player. And so now the Memphis Grizzlies are able to roll out a lineup that has Marcus smart, Jaron Jackson, Jr. The last two defensive players of the year. <laughs> And Steven Adams, yeah, that is a, and if they need to, you know, this will be in, in towards the end of the season. I don't even know if he comes back next year, but eventually Brandon, Brandon Clark. Clark. So Memphis is really good defense gets even better. They add playmaking. It's enough for me to go ahead and, and raise Memphis up uh, a little bit. I think this trade made Memphis better as well. I agree. I think to me, the key is this Marcus smart. I don't even know. I can't think of any other player like this. There probably are a couple but Marcus Smart fills two really huge needs simultaneously for Memphis. You said the one already, they need the jaw insurance, not just for the 25 games, but just for the future beyond that. And I'm not saying in case legal stuff happens again, jaw gets hurt, but jaw's going to miss some time. His style of play is all, you're going to need a guy that can play some minutes for him. Tyus Jones, really good, 
But Tyus was a pure backup point guard for them. What I mean is you can't play Tyus and Jaw together. You're going to get destroyed defensively. You absolutely can play Jaw and Smart together. Smart gives them versatility. And that's the other thing here is that Memphis, we know for years, you've reported on this for a long time now, Memphis has badly wanted a wing defender. They tried to offer like the entire world for Mikhail Bridges and OG Anobi and all the trades that we've heard about. Marcus Smart's not quite that. He's a slightly different version of defender, but Memphis gets both. In the same player, yeah. they get the lockdown wing defender and the backup point guard in John insurance. I don't know who else gives you that, like other than a superstar type player. So to get Smart as the combined answer for that, in one player, like you've saved a roster spot and salary, like you're normally playing two guys to do those things. He's both of those. I will say here, addition by subtraction, I think Dylan's gone. Goodbye, Dylan Brooks. Marcus Smart has taken your spot. Yeah. And I have never been a Dylan Brooks fan of what he does for them. Marcus going to take some of those bad shots too. That's part of the game. But he has been a positive impact player. Dylan Brooks, all the EPMs and BPMs have just not been in his favor uh, smart, the versatility that Boston loses without smart Memphis adds, I think now, you now have take jaw, Desmond Bain, Marcus smart, Jaron Jackson, those four guys go Steven Adams. If you want to be big, go Luke Kennard. If you need the shooting, cause you got enough defense around him. Now that you can definitely play him out there. Go Brandon Clark. If you want to go the Clark JJ lineup, we know how good that is. Like the, I think Memphis got better and deeper and I, I my first instinct is I had to take them a little bit more seriously in the playoffs too, because I think smart adds different dimensions and different lineups and, and Kennard now too and Clark once he's back. But I, I like this a lot. The the value too, you pay attention to the way these trades are reported. This of course was reported as oh Memphis traded two first round picks and and to get Marcus Smart. Okay, so here's what they really traded. They gave up number 25. We talked about that. That was the Boston pick that got traded a billion times. They didn't just trade away 25. They got 35 back. So they traded down 10 spots in a range of the draft that is mostly insignificant. Like 25 and 35, you're getting mostly the same player, as we've talked about already. So that's not nothing, but it's not I gave away a first-round pick. The other pick that they trade away is the Warriors pick next year. It's the Warriors. You probably are going to get number 25 or something with that pick, maybe number 30, somewhere in that range. So don't be afraid by two firsts. Like all first round picks are not equal. All the Washington picks they got are, are mostly garbage picks disguised as look at all the things we can list off in a tweet here. Memphis didn't trade nothing here, but they basically traded like a number 25 pick and a move down a few spots pick and gave up Tyus Jones, who they who you reported, take your victory lap here that they were going to move on from him. You got that one nailed. You had that in your column. Didn't even get to the draft and it was already right. I think it was a perfectly fine uh, price for them. I think it made them better. Washington obviously has blown up the team, but Washington, Porzingis was gone. The reason the trade had happened so quickly is Porzingis had to literally opt in that night to his contract. Otherwise, he was going to opt out and just be a free agent and Washington gets nothing because he's literally not on the team today anymore. Instead, they get free Tyus Jones, who can help the team. They got the 35th pick out of it. That was basically free for them. And out of the whole Bradley Beal thing now, they get Jordan Poole from the other deal. So Washington turned nothing into something. That's uh, considering where Washington's at. We'll take the something. Um, big picture, 
look, Boston's win total is going to be ridiculously high again. It has to be. Yeah. They finished number two in the West. They finished with 57 wins or in the East. They finished with 57 wins. So even though I like the move for them, I, I'm probably going to be on the under again. Like <laughs> I'm just it, it, mathematically playing the unders. Uh, we'll talk about this when you win totals, playing the highest win totals on the board. The under is always usually the best way to go. So I'm expecting to go under on Boston. Um, Memphis, I think, is a, is a really interesting one, given how their season ended. I'll be very curious to see what their number pops at. So they were at 49 and a half, 51 and a half was the highest point. They ended with 51. So with jaw, that has to be lower. And depending on how much lower they go, if they go from a 51 to a 47, I might look at an over. If it goes to a 45, I'm hammering it over. If this only drops to like a 48 or a 49, I'm probably leaning under and not betting is probably yeah. what I'm, I'm going to say. Well, and, and remember, the line set last year included what we knew at the time would be about a 25-game absence for Jaron Jackson. We knew they weren't going to have him the start of the year, and he's not John Morant, yeah. but that's an important player. Like we, That was part of why I was really low on Memphis coming into the year is yeah. we thought it'd be more than 25 games, frankly. So. Yeah. Like that was already part of the 51. Uh, my my expectation here on Memphis is that we're going to get excited about like trying to get into an over here and the line's going to come out and be like 48 and be like right at the number. We're like, ah, come on. How'd you yeah. snip it out? Like, I feel yeah. like that's where we're headed on this. That sounds that sounds about right. Uh, the other big move for us to get hit before we get, get out of here. Uh, Chris Paul's a warrior, which <laughs> just there's just been a lot of moments in the NBA covering this league over the last four years where I'm like, okay, that's not something I ever thought would happen. Um, so the Warriors send Jordan Poole and a pick, uh, two picks, I believe, um, quote unquote picks. Two, two picks. The picks are a 2030 first round pick, which is like a hundred years away and is top 20 protected. So again, kind of a fake first round pick yeah. and it would disappear after that because it's the end of when you can trade picks. And then I think like a 2027 20, second or something. So not really much picks, mostly Jordan Poole for a CP3 is the deal. So I go back and I've gone back and forth on this because <laughs> Jordan Poole is an innings eater. Sure, He gets you through the regular season and their record without Steph is going to be bad. And Chris... The value I think the CP3 gives the Warriors is specifically in the minutes where Steph Curry is not on the court for whatever reason, because those have been terrible, both when he's played and he's been on the bench and in games where he's sat is like they have it went from they actually won those minutes in 2015 and 16 to they lost those minutes when they sacrificed some depth through KD in the 17 and 18 and 19 runs. And it got worse every year. And then in 2020 on, it fell off a cliff where now it's like when Steph's on, they're great. And when Steph's off the floor, they are outright bad, even with Draymond, even with Clay. And so Chris Paul gives them an opportunity to be better in those minutes, which I think is valuable. I don't know from a betting perspective if I can say that I like the Warriors title odds more at this moment because I still have to be like, like there's a lot of talk today about faith in the training staff that's done such a good work, keeping their guys healthy. And they have, they legitimately have like Draymond's had injuries and Chris's had injuries or I'm sorry, Steph's had injuries, but they've recovered from them enough for them to win the title in 2022. 
But when you look at Chris's career and you look at how many times he's ended the season hurt, including this last year, I'm just like, I don't know if he's going to be around. And if they don't get more inning eaters to make it through the regular season, then this is going to be an extremely shallow team again. Like this team's depth was almost nothing when we got to the playoffs, which is why they were playing heavy minutes and had nothing left at the end of it. And they have exacerbated that problem. I love the conceptual idea of Chris with Draymond. I think that's an exceptional fit to very high IQ crotch punchers who are able to play off of one another, make the right play. They're both like those two will kill in handoff situations. Uh, Chris with clay clay will eat off of the spacing and the way that Chris is able to manipulate defenses and pass Chris and Kaminga or not Kaminga Chris and Looney will destroy <laughs> not coming. Hang going to be here anymore. <laughs> Chris and Looney, because you put any big with yep. Chris Paul and that guy eats. So like, there's all these conceptual ideas, but I have to think about the reality of what the season is from a betting perspective and then what the playoffs are from a reality perspective. And both of those, I wind up being less confident as I want to be about this trade for golden state. I think those are a lot of good points. I, I yeah, I agree with, uh, with the hesitations that you're having. It's a long regular season. It's an older warriors team already and adding CP we would talked about his injury issues for years. And does he have a two month playoff run in him? Even if you just didn't play a minute, the whole regular season, could he still have that two month playoff run in him? I, I don't know. we, We've seen it once, and even the one time that he made the finals, I believe he still missed a couple of games along the way, right? So we still had some injuries there. So the hesitation is fair. I love this for the Warriors. I think the upside is immense. And the more I think about what CP can add to the team, the more excited I get. The bench unit difference you talked about is huge. Not just like the, the no stuff minutes. Think about that we've talked about the no Jokic minutes with Denver this year, where like they just got to survive. Just get the minutes out of the way and get a few minutes of rest. And how, how much how much can Steph go tonight? Because Jordan Poole had to run the backups. Like he had to be the point guard. Having CP instead of Jordan Poole is literally like an extra two or three possessions in a game that CP is not going to turn it over and Jordan was turning it over. So just that alone, an extra couple of possessions is worth like three, four, five points to the Warriors if that works out that way. So having that handle, having the bench unit, Clay honestly has just really never been that good without Steph in the bench unit. So having Chris instead with Clay to be able to have Chris run point and get Clay off ball like he's best at, get him some looks, like that's huge. The part of the court, like I, I think of, you know, I'm I'm a Warriors fanboy. So I think of who who are past Warriors in this dynastic run that Chris can do some similar things to. I think it could be similar to Sean Livingston. Like the mm. way that he gets into some of those spaces around the basket and just kind of eats up a little bit of like, I think he can be a playoff innings eater in some way and he gets some of those looks. I think in obviously a much smaller way, physically and just overall, I think it'd be like Kevin Durant a little bit. Chris Paul can get a shot. Like some of those times when the play breaks down a little bit, he can still get to that like elbow jumper and get a shot off in like in a clutch moment where Steph is just really, he's not that. Steph is not a good clutch shooter. The numbers are pretty ghastly. I will i will own that for Steph. Chris is Mr. Clutch Time. He is the guy that is like all the crazy Warriors turnovers and all the like brain farts late in games that has been one of their huge bugaboos the entire run. Chris Paul is the one guy who everywhere he goes turns crunch time into gold, everything. I think that's huge. I think 
the space on the court warriors offensively that's open is that mid range spot. And that we saw like Wiggins had to kind of get some of those jumpers for them when things died down a little bit. Chris can get that shot. Chris will hit that shot and that space is going to be open. So I think there's a lot here moving away from the multiple timelines to the old timeline. Like Chris is clearly the old timeline here and getting back to warriors identity of they tried for a few years to go young. And I think they tried to, 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 uh, to take skill upside and talent over feel and IQ and guys that just played the right way. I, I think Chris can be a little bit Andre Iguodala, the way that he would kind of run the offense a little bit and just do the veteran savvy, smart plays. That's who the Warriors are when they're great, is the Draymond Steph stuff. Chris is that in spades. That's who he's been his entire career. That part of the game will never age out for him. So I think the upside here is immense. The downside, the injuries are a very real risk. Here's my question for you. We now have the Denver Nuggets are champions. We've got Warriors, Celtics, Suns, all made big trades. They all added the big guy. They added Chris Paul, they added Porzingis, and they added Bradley Beal. If we say the Nuggets are still the title favorites and you had to rank these other three teams that just got their big additions so far, and rosters will still change and everything else. Right now, how would you rank those three teams as a title pick? Yeah, that's tough. It's Celtics too, for sure. Okay. They moved it, they moved to even odds with the Nuggets at the books after the Porzingis trade. Which is funny because they moved to the favorite stats after trading for Brogdon last year. Um, I'm gonna put the Suns third. Hmm. Because the Suns lost to the eventual champion Denver Nuggets and took the most games off them that any team did. They have the most runway to improve because they only have four dudes on roster. Yeah. And because I just saw Golden State just completely run out of gas versus the number seven seed. And Draymond's coming back. Like, I'm not breaking any news there. Like, the expectation around the league is like, oh, yeah, that's done. Like, he's coming back on. Yeah. Well, and then getting rid of pool, let's just yeah. say, helps yeah. to solve that as well. Yeah. That's that solves a problem for them. Um, But I will be very quick to bet the Warriors once I see that they look like themselves yeah. again. I got to see them look like themselves again. So they yeah, haven't lost. Fair. They haven't lost my faith. Um, But I've put them into a hey, you're not, you aren't where you have been and where you want to be. As soon as you show me that you're back there, I'm back in. But mm-hmm. I got to see that they're back in that spot yeah. first. So I would put, I would put them. Now I will say that like, honestly, at this point, I would put some of the other teams maybe ahead of some of those squads. Sure. Yeah. I'm just focusing on these three, like yeah. the Milwaukee and some of the other teams I'm sure would be What's in the your list. Yeah. My, my list, I'm going to keep Phoenix last. We talked about the BL trade. Yeah, I just, I'm not in on it yet. It could change. We'll see how the roster shapes up. I will say Boston first for the reasons you said, Golden State second, Phoenix last. Here's what I think is interesting. We've agreed multiple times now on multiple shows, Denver is the champions, Denver is the title favorite. I think the last 24 hours has been actively damaging to Denver's title hopes. If you had to pick a team to match up and beat Denver in the playoffs, you would pick Golden State in the West, and you would pick Boston in the NBA. Hmm. The two teams that best match up with Denver or give them issues just got better. Okay. And I like not not in a way like, oh, Denver is doomed. I'm not saying that. Right. I'm saying like Denver's title odds 
shifted down slightly because the two teams that are best built to beat them got even better built to beat them now. And I, I think if I had to pick a final four right now for next year, a conference finals, I would go Denver Golden State and I'd go Boston, I don't know, Miami again, because why not? They'll, they'll be like the 10 seed and somehow get to the yeah, end again. Get there. All right, let's get wrapped up for buckets for your Friday. Appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, we'll be shifting to about two episodes a week program for the nba starting next week we'll recap free agency whatever's going on next week we'll hit that uh, hit that up for you and then once free agency starts we'll have regular updates throughout the week we'll do emergency pods when something crazy happens um to make sure that you're satisfied there make sure to follow us all along in the action network app my thanks to david Payne, our producer we appreciate you guys being with us we'll see you guys again next time until then let's get buckets Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.